Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Patient Convert Podcast. I am your co-host, Justin Knott, and just riding solo today. No guests, no Kelly. So just wanted to take a couple minutes and talk about medical website design strategies. Your website, as most practices know, is really kind of your single most important digital asset in my mind because all of the other marketing strategies that you constantly hear about or your agency's doing for you or we do for our clients, really all of those roads, all of them are intended to, to drive people, brand awareness, everything back to home base. Your home base is your website. So if you don't have a good home base, if your house isn't in order and you don't have the right things to create a good user experience for patients to find what they need, answer the questions that they have, educate themselves, find out who the providers are, all that kind of good stuff, then you're really shooting yourself in the foot. I mean, because you're spending all this time on social media, you're building out awesome content, people get to your Instagram profile and they click to your website and it's a not so fun experience, whether they're on mobile or they're on desktop, whatever it is, they can't find the info, they get frustrated, the layout's not good, content's too small, whatever it may be, which is what we're going to talk about today. And that's really a shame because you can spend a lot of time, a lot of effort, and even do a lot of things right. You could have awesome marketing, crappy landing pages, awesome social, crappy website, awesome video. Again, video not on the website, that kind of stuff. I mean, the list goes on and on that really you can spend a lot of time, a lot of money, and get a fraction of the results that you could be if you spent more time and effort on your house and making sure your house is in order, which is your website in this case, your practice website. So I did want to spend some time because we do develop so many custom websites for so many practices across the country and we, we're doing it every single month. So we really, I think, have a, our thumb on the pulse of what is working, what patients want to see, how you balance design and SEO because they are can be kind of polar opposites of each other, um, especially if you've listened, go back and listen to, I just did a recent episode of Top Medical SEO Strategies. Go back and listen to that. And I'll talk about it even more in depth there, but we'll go into kind of design versus SEO. How do you balance those things? All that kind of good stuff. But it's just really important to keep in mind at the end of the day, your website from a practice standpoint is how you present yourself. It's like what you show up wearing on a first date. First impressions matter, whether you like it or not. It is, and there's just a, a natural psychological thing in the human brain that when you see a website, you're immediately going to deduce a lot of other things about the practice, efficiency, experience, all of that other stuff based on what they're going to see on your website. So it's really important. And it also drives the, how much should I spend on my website? Is it worth spending what can be perceived as an obscene amount of money on this when you compare it to a lot of the other things when you can say spend a few thousand dollars a month on X, Y, or Z marketing initiative, but your website can cost tens of thousands of dollars and just be astronomically expensive. And it can get, it can get astronomical and completely out of whack and make no sense. But all of it is to say, when you think about it, it's the foundation that everything else is built on. And so it's really critical to make sure that foundation is done right. Because what pains me more than anything is running like the horror stories of either the whole build experience was just awful and they got a crappy product at the end, but even more so having a potential client come to me 
and I look at their site and say, unfortunately, even though you built it six months or a year or even two years ago when the shelf life of a good website is three to five years on average, you got to start from scratch just because they didn't build it in the right way. They didn't build it in the right CMS, even though there's not just one hard and fast CMS, but there is one or two that I think reign supreme, or they didn't do the things, the foundational principle things right from an SEO standpoint the right way. So it makes more sense in terms of rebuilding versus trying to patch a leaky dam. Because when, when you start doing that, I've seen it just so many times throughout the 10 plus years of even running this agency, much less marketing in general. When you start getting into the patch world of websites, undoubtedly things begin to break. You start having to add additional, if it's say WordPress, additional plugins that compete with other plugins. It's a domino effect that over time grows more and more substantial. And so sometimes starting from scratch is the best way to go. And I, and I hate that. I hate that for people. And it's a shame on it, it, agencies that charge a huge amount of money and don't know what they're doing and don't have their ducks in a row and burn the other people out there that are doing it the right way. Because it is frustrating. It's really frustrating to watch a, what would be or could have been a potential client that can't be because they just spent tens of thousands of dollars on what's an absolute dumpster fire. And that's a shame on on the our industry too for not providing the right value for the the work that's being done in terms of building a website and building it in the right way that it is sustainable, it is scalable, it is functional, it is secure, and it has foundational SEO principles that can be built upon. Everybody can do things. It's just kind of like a painter. Every painter has a different technique. Every surgeon even has a different a way that slightly that they approach its surgeries or they open or close or they do X, Y, or Z, there's always going to be variation into how, how people do SEO or what builder they use when they build a WordPress website or so on and so forth. But at the end of the day, there's, there's a lot of foundational principle things that really should carry through, even from agency to agency, if we were all on the same page of these are what protect the client really well. And again, without that's kind of going on a whole diatribe about the agency industry, it's just all to forewarn you because I, I don't want to, I don't want to see anybody else get taken advantage of in terms of building a website that's really going to have to be trashed. And again, we literally, I literally deal with this every single month. I'm dealing with multiple right now with potential clients that we have that we're at a crossroads of love to move forward, but I just sunk all this money. And I'm also not a proponent of if you go with us, you have to rebuild your website because I'd rather just roll up our sleeves and get to work on the things that'll move the needle. We can always redesign your website at X, Y, or Z time when it makes sense, but there's simply no way around if you invest in us and then we can't do our job because of your website, you're wasting money and we're wasting time. And so then we have decisions that has to be made, but it all went back to not understanding good foundational principles of the medical website design process and what you want on the back end of it. So red flags can be thrown if that's not being done. So you make sure that you get a good product on the other side of it, that when you are in uh, investing, whether you're starting out and it's a little amount of money, but that's a lot, or you're a really large, mature practice that can afford to invest in a heavy hitting website that is going to be one of the best of the best across the country. But going back to kind of getting the conversation started around the medical design strategies, first and foremost, I think aesthetics is huge and your homepage is huge. Your homepage is typically going to absorb 50 or more percent, depending on how good your SEO strategy is and how well your treatment pages, your location pages, your physician pages are contributing in organic search. 
we can see upwards of 90 plus percent of all organic traffic going through the homepage, but even a really, really strong, you're talking 50 to 100,000 users plus a month on even these local websites that we deal with for our really large practice clients. It's still 50%, even it can be 30% to 50% or more of all of the users are experiencing your homepage first. So you got to make sure the homepage is right, visually appealing, and tells a compelling story about who you are at your core, the services you provide, and your approach to care. And that's really important. It, it needs to make, you need to have all, all of those things contained in there. And I really encourage making sure that you have visuals to back that up. You got to make it engaging. Really good websites have engaging components to them, whether it's B-roll that's moving in the background. It's a really, really sharp, like retina display style image that you can tell is not a stock photo that they got done professionally inside of the practice. Those types of things are, are really do make the difference. And that's why I always encourage before we even start this journey, if you're going to spend money on a website, spend money on a good professional photographer. That's a shout out to all the photographers out there. Hopefully you get more business out of it because it is true, especially real estate photographers and the ones that can go in and do like photos of your practice and you engaging with patients and whether it's a, a nurse wearing street clothes or whatever it is, but you want to have an authentic feel. Patients can pick up when it's stock and patients can immediately see the difference when it's real, when it's real high quality professional photography doesn't cost a lot of money. It can be a little bit of a pain to kind of try to coordinate all the physicians, but I can't tell you the difference between the same exact website is a C minus to an A plus when professional photography is laid over. So before you do anything, you'd be willing to invest in that if you're investing in a new website. Find a logo photographer to come out, get the professional photos that your agency should help guide you in what's going to look and feel the best on the website, as well as send you some examples of websites that they built that have custom photography on it. So you have a good idea to give some art direction, creative direction to the photographer when they show up of all the different things that they need to capture to be able to portray to the patient as they come to your website and in particular, your homepage, like we're talking about. But the more relevancy you can have in that imagery, the more impact the website's going to have too. You got a treatment page and you've got professional photos that match that to back it up, plus a video on there, which we'll talk about in a second. It's just going to go that much more of a distance in getting a patient to choose you over a competitor because of the experience that they're having on your website. And that's really, really key. So homepage, you got to tell a really compelling story and you've got to have engaging elements, um, especially I think above the fold, and you got to make it easy for them to understand kind of the who, what, why, and where. So kind of who are you? What do you do it? What do you do? Why do you do it? which is, I think, one of the most compelling things is kind of your care approach and where are you? And that's listing out your locations, that kind of stuff. That's another huge missed opportunity as well, as well as a clear call to action on the homepage for people to be able to start their journey to book an appointment with you is another critical thing. Next up, your main menu. Your main menu is another super, super important thing. You got to make sure it's really, really easy to navigate. The website sounds simple enough, but oftentimes it's not. So you want to have a clear call to action up in the main menu that travels around the whole website with the user so they can at any point if they want to easily click and go book an appointment. They shouldn't have to go back to the home page or go to the contact page to be able to find where they can go book an appointment. 
it needs to live there. If it's in the mobile menu, it needs to live inside of the mobile menu when they open it. Or maybe you have a floating bar on the bottom or the top or a little like quote bubble that's there so they can hit it and, and either get to where they need to go to book an appointment or chat with somebody, however your infrastructure is. That's going to be really important. I would also recommend in your drop down menus, if you can, and this has been a trend and, it, and I think it's a good one, is stay away from second level sub menus. What I mean is when you hover over a main menu item and there's like a drop down, which most everybody's familiar with, and then you start going down those and another drop down pops out to the right or the left side. So it's a secondary menu. I try to minimize the amount of those. A, it's pretty impossible to replicate on mobile, which creates a big issue for mobile experience, especially when typically at least 50% or more of website visitors coming to any practice website are coming from mobile. It's hard to replicate that on mobile. So it's kind of a waste to do it on desktop because then you have to scratch your head and think around how that is brought over into the mobile experience. And second is it's just can be aggravating for users because it can act finicky, but definitely never go past that. If you just can't get around having a secondary tranche, then I would never, ever go past that for sure. But most of the time from a navigation experience, you want to keep it as flat as possible. So you don't want to require multiple, 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 multiple clicks to get into an interior page of a website. And the deeper the level of clicks are required to get there, the less emphasis that Google's going to have on that page. So top line pages, so those are your, the, usually the pages in your main menu are all going to have more predominance in terms of SEO rankings in Google over things in your submenu or so on and so forth without, again, you can go listen to my other SEO episodes of the past to understand a little bit more of that, but you got to have your main menu squared away. And always, I think it's always a good idea to edit. What I mean by that is look at it and say, less is more. What can we edit? What can we edit? What can we edit? What can we edit? Because it's, it's easy to get lost. Even when you're building out like categories for a blog, for instance, if you're writing a blog, you're like, well, I'll just have 12 categories. It's like, that is a lot. Edit. Can we eliminate five and really boil it down to an easier user experience and less options to confuse the user? And I think that that's really important. Next up is kind of your on, your on page. And that is in terms of being able to navigate what could be a content heavy treatment or conditions page. And this is where I brought up balancing SEO and design. And what I mean by that is, again, if you've listened to any of my stuff, I always say content is king. If you want a page for it, if you want to rank for it, you need a page for it, all that good stuff. And especially the higher search treatments, the higher the competition, especially if you're a national healthcare organization trying to rank, there could be no way around having to write two to 3,000 words on a page. And there's not many patients out there that want to read two to 3,000 words of medical jargon. It's just reality. Some do, most do not. So it's kind of like how, and that's where the chasm between sexy web design and SEO and those two departments and an agency are at odds with each other because good SEO foundationally is going to have really good content attached to it. Good design. When you look at like an app, the Apple website or all the Squarespace websites, it all is functionally built on 
really high retina display imagery. So stunning imagery, stunning videos, use of white space, limited text, iconography, all of the stuff that's not as beneficial for SEO, but it looks really good, but you may never rank that page. And so that's where there's a, a kind of a push and pull between the two of those and how do you balance that? But we found a really good way to balance that is kind of have your core sections, say your three or four sections for any treatment or condition page at the top that kind of ex explains again, the who, what, why, like kind of what is the treatment? What are the benefits of it? How does it, long does it take for you to recover from it? Who's a good candidate for it? What does the pre and post-op process look like? So, so kind of some of the main points and then leverage a good FAQ section that's further down the page that won't distract the eye or discourage the patient to wade through that content because they just see this overwhelming just a paragraph on paragraph of content is balance that down the page in a good FAQ section. So if they really are a user that likes to read material and learn more, they can go down there and learn what is the cost of the treatment, what are the side effects of the treatment, all of that kind of good stuff that may not be kind of the core foundational meat that the patient needs to absorb to make a, an appointment decision but it's gonna be critical for SEO because it answers all of those other relevant topical things related to that focus treatment or condition without weighing down the page and the user experience of web, good website design. The other is breaking it up with mixed media and that's use of imagery on the pages. Again, that goes back to getting professional photography done, having visuals built out, maybe that explain type of a procedure. And the other really big one is video. I like the 3D animation videos are really great when you're explaining surgical techniques. We do that a lot for our clients to provide kind of those resources in that library of animated video, because I think users, it just helps users or visual learners for the most part, especially when it comes to surgeries that they've never done or understand like a knee replacement, that can really be a great tool. On the other side, video, which again, if you go through all that we talked about a lot, video content has really taken over, um, especially when it comes to user engagement on social media. But also, like I just talked about in a previous episode, it's really beneficial for SEO and on-page time. But for this topic and website design strategies, it's really great user experience tool too. Because again, you can lay in a very similar set of content that a reading user may want to read, but 80 to 90% of users would rather just hear it and a distilled version out of the mouth of that shoulder surgeon or that knee surgeon in your practice explaining on this is how a, a knee replacement's done. These are the who, who are the good candidates. This is what your pre and post-op look like. And you can break all that content up to make it very interactive. You could have all of those different sections could have a 60 second or less supportive video to be able to talk about what does pre and post-op look like. And again, your front office and your Mid-levels are going to love, especially the pre and post-op stuff. I'm telling you, in your website design process, if you get like the mid-levels or the physicians to sit down and film all the pre and post-op stuff for all of the major treatments, you don't have the mid-level answering what they perceive as a, the most monotonous questions again and again and again and again, or handing them the same packet again and again and again and again and again. You can just send them straight to the website and be like, hey, you can see all your post pre and post-op recovery processes don't eat the night before, blah, 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 blah. And you can find all that stuff out on your website and your mid-levels will thank you and your patients will love you. 
So that's another big website design strategy is video is really how to take your website to the next level and give the patient what they're asking for. And that's to meet the physicians, understand what, how the practice operates, as well as get a lot of their pertinent information out of the website and over video instead of having to go and read a bunch of content or print a bunch of stuff out. And that's another really big thing. Another uh, website design, I think another good website design strategy, even though it's not directly related to the actual design of the website, but in terms of user experience is self-scheduling. Self-scheduling is hugely on the rise and it's something like 80 plus percent, don't quote me on this exact statistic, but I think I remember it right in the presentation, like 80 plus percent of patients surveyed said they would use a self-scheduler if they were given the option on a website. Yet, I bet, and this is a totally made up statistic, less than 10% of practice websites offer a self-scheduling option. There's so many different benefits to having a self-scheduling option. I know it terrifies physicians to no end to feel out of control of their schedule, but there's gotta be some give and take that begins to occur inside of your practice to move you into the modern age. It's what patients want. So even if you ask a physician to break two half days a week that open up a window for self-scheduling, whatever your intake process for new patients looks like, it's hugely beneficial. The other side of it is in the marketing world and when it comes to good websites, there is a broken minimum of one, but usually a lot more. There's broken links in the marketing tracking chain. Train, chain. And what I mean by that is Typically, the workflow looks like a patient goes to a website, they hit the book appointment button, they go to a form, they fill out a request appointment because they're not actually booking one in the scenario because they don't have self-scheduling. It goes to the front desk, the front desk gets that form, they call the patient back, they do patient intake, they book a mode appointment, and they create a, con a record inside of the EHR for the new patient. The problem is, is from filling a form out to them actually showing up in the EHR and booking the appointment, there's a broken link there between the marketing efforts and who actually became an, a patient and who never booked. When you have self-scheduling, not every, not all the self-schedulers do this by any means, but the good ones will allow you to track that self-scheduling through like Google Analytics or something. So you can see the whole patient journey of who dropped out of the funnel, who finished their appointment booking, where did they come from, from a source standpoint, all of that good stuff. And that's a total game changer when you're spending a good amount of money on your marketing and all you, all your agency can really report on is you had 150 leads. What are those leads? You mean people called me or they filled out a form, but how many of those hundred actually became a patient? Well, I'm not sure. Do you have an EHR report? So on and so forth. So self-scheduling again, while not directly related to the website design, is still very critical to think through when it comes to web design as it relates to user experience that people are going to have on the website. Another one is obviously mobile enabled is your agency should spend as much time on the mobile version, if not more of the website planning and in development as they do on the desktop version. It's a lot easier to kind of build the desktop version because it's how we've been building it for so long, but it, it, this has been forever people have heard this when I say forever I mean the last three to five years is Google is mobile first and so on and so forth so you got to make sure that the site is really conceptually built to function well on mobile and even if you have to redo sections to make them perform better on mobile then that's what needs to be done to make sure that everything looks really good uh, when somebody does go on mobile and then another kind of a side bit is when going back to the home page is 
don't do sliders. Don't do sliders. I can't stand sliders. There's a lot of people that have them, but when you at least get your new website is don't do a slider. There's just so many different things that can go wrong with a slider. Slider plugins, especially on WordPress, are super prone to security vulnerabilities. And again, that's just even just a little bit of a side note, not to say if you have a slider, you're going to get hacked, but um, there's several of them that are notorious for people's websites getting hacked. And again, it does not translate at all to mobile experience. Sliders on mobile are nonsensical. They don't work and it's too small of a screen to be able to get that experience anyways. So why do something on desktop? For the most part, this is a blanket statement, but why do something on desktop that's not going to translate to more of the users and the user experience seen on mobile? So that's another thing that I really encourage to is to make sure that you stay away from that moving forward when you're thinking about getting a new website for sure. And I think probably last but not least to keep this episode short is I think it's best practice, especially if you're spending a good chunk of change on a website the website should be developed in a couple phases. And I think one of the most important phases is the design mock-up phase. I think jumping into a scary situation where you're presented a live version of your website, say like the homepage and one or two other pages before you really get to sign off on the design is a scary proposition. Because what if you don't love it? That's kind of like if you go to a branding agency or an agency that does logo design, and they're like, I'm pretty sure that we're just going to nail it the first time. So we're only going to present you one concept. Okay. I hope you're right. And even if they are right, you wouldn't even know because you never got to see any other options. So like with our process for our custom websites, we go through an, a true design phase where we meet with the clients, we brainstorm, we look at examples in our portfolio other websites out on the internet that they like or don't like for various reasons, whether it's the whole website or just one section, just to kind of get a feel for what does the client really want, because they're spending a good amount of money on this and we want to make sure it's something that they want to take home and show their kids, so to speak. So with that, you can't really do that without going through mock-ups. And again, I know there's like whimsical and there's, there's different kind of I think it's Figma, different ones that can create like interactive mock-ups, but that doesn't take away, that's still a mock-up process. So you should have kind of a design mock-up process where you can get a good idea from your agency building this website of the user flow, the design, the whole experience before the actual development makes takes place. It's going to make everybody a whole lot more comfortable and it's going to ensure success in terms of a happy client on the other side. So that's the other part of the experience I would really encourage is Know what a design looks like before development ever happens in a good process. And don't just be sold. We're going to take a crack at it. Hope you like it. And here's your homepage. And then we'll move on to the other pages. Because typically in a larger site build, that's it's much more ideal to go through a design phase. So yeah, so those are the, some of the big principles as we build websites day in and day out for really large practices across the country that I think for the listeners out there looking to build websites in 2023 for their practices and invest what is typically one of the higher expenditures and kind of capital investments almost, um, and can be actually from an accounting and tax saving standpoint, always check with your CPA on that side of things, but can be a cap is a pretty, can be a pretty substantial capital outlay. So I like everybody to kind of be in the loop on a what's working, but B 
what you should be looking for in a good agency and a good experience and to make sure that your user experience, your patient experience is dynamite on the other side of your new website. So it's adding value to your bottom line and you're actually getting your investment back because a good website with good structure with a shelf life of three to five years should have an ROI of like a tenfold at minimum in terms of bringing new patients into your business if it's done the right way. Thank you as always for listening to the Patient Convert podcast. Please stay tuned for upcoming episodes as well as some other great content that we got on our social media channels. Make sure you connect with myself, Justin Knott, as well as my wife and other business owner, Kelly Knott on LinkedIn. If you haven't run into her by now, we'd love to connect and network with you. And as always, if you are a practice out there that is looking to ramp up your marketing and your patient acquisition strategies in 2023. We would love to help you. If you go to our website, entropy.com, we offer a free practice assessment where you can go through that assessment. And if it looks like it's a good fit, you can actually spend some time with me over Zoom, adding some what I think will be hopefully free value to your practice, whether you move forward or not. But I'd love to talk to you anyways and make sure you connect with us on LinkedIn. And thank you for listening. Thank you for listening to today's latest episode of the Patient Convert Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and review on your favorite podcast platform. We are on Apple, iTunes, Google, Stitcher, and Spotify, or you can sign up to receive the latest episode via email. Just check it out on my agency website or my personal website. And if you are looking for more amazing healthcare marketing information or just to engage, check us out at entropy.com. And for any of my amazing physician liaisons out there interested in growing their physician referrals or learning the strategies that it takes to build highly engaged physician referral networks. Check out my website, kellynott.com, where I have free webinars, free downloads, and of course, my online physician liaison training course, Physician Liaison University. And as always, I'm a huge believer in connecting, engaging, and supporting one another. And the best way we can do that is networking. And I always, always connect with you guys on social media. And one of my biggest social media platforms is LinkedIn. So feel free to connect with me there on LinkedIn or Instagram or Twitter at Kelly Knott. And thank you guys again for listening to the Patient Convert Podcast with your host, Kelly Knott.